My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. The outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our world? A boy! <laughs> Duncan, can I trust you with something? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. I just like to say thank you to all the new subscribers. I had uh, the analytics pulled up and I was just blown out of the park. I think in the last month we've had over 40 new subscriptions on YouTube and that's all thanks to you all. Thank you for uh, participating, liking, subscribing, subscribing, following. What I did, so many damn ings that you have to do on all these but Thank you for supporting the podcast. It shows me that you still want more of the Lucky Pod, Lucky Dog, Lucky Dog podcast goodness. And so I just wanted to give a big shout out to all the supporters and I want to say thank you. Again, um, some individuals had, uh, have come up to me and said, you know, Elias, have you seen the new Dune 2021 film? The Denny Villeneuve Uh new joint denny villeneuve is the director of arrival prisoners blade runner 2049 i kind of look at him as like a a spin-off visionary director in this grand epic scale in the very same vein as like a chris nolan in, in that type of realm he's also under um the warner brothers studios at least in this joint as well so you can kind of feel the legendary warner brothers uh feel in this as well so if there's reason that this this looks like blade runner 2049 or arrival or prisoners it's because made by the same guys and a lot of the same people that work with denny villeneuve uh he's a french canadian filmmaker um best known for the movies that I've just uh, mentioned. But is there anything else that I haven't mentioned about this guy? Um, Sicario was the other one that I couldn't remember. I know some people have seen uh, Enemy as well. But uh, yeah, Dune is the movie that is created, directed, written, produced by him. And it is based off the novel by Frank Herbert. And... A lot of people have heard of the older Dune television show and the older Dune movie by uh, David Lynch, I believe. And it was a little bit off kilter, a little bit weird. I actually haven't seen it myself, so I can't really give my two cents on it. Two cents on it. And I have not read the book to Dune either, so uh, clearly I'm well rehearsed to give my opinion on this movie. But one thing about it is... It is a movie that will grow on you. It's a movie that is one of those movies I like to call an experience. It was a movie that I had to watch about two to three times to fully understand, mostly because 
one, it is extremely dense. Most people know the um, the background of Dune is an extremely, it's almost an encyclopedia epic level of knowledge of a story that is you're going to have to be implanted in you in I think Denny Villeneuve does this movie in about two hours and 30 minutes. So it's a lot of information to put in. I think they've, I've heard that there's like a, an, uh, like an encyclopedia, like an index and all this shit in the, in the actual book and whatnot. So it's an extremely dense book, almost to the grand scale of uh, Lord of the Rings. A lot of people will compare this to the, um, the aesthetic of uh, a hero's journey of, Star Wars very much in the same same vein and maybe uh, compare it in the same realm as a Game of Thrones feel as well. Game of Thrones, for better or for worse of how it ended, I will say that it really prepared us, um, me personally, to understand the different fractions and the different houses and the different um, uh, natures of storytelling and i think that having that grand scale shown from uh the television show like like game of thrones being able to see houses and fractions and families expand betrayed all this different things um uh, it allows us to understand dune a little bit better as well i think that you know being able to see the different fractions and so with dune 2021 i know that's a that's a long wind up of like holy shit are we ever going to get to this shit but yes we will we will um i just wanted to say it it does have the that same feel of the different houses and the fractions and and the grand scale of uh you know someone leading a house of a family that eventually you know has uh, an army underneath them and whatnot and so this has that grand epic scope and feel to it as well. Um, like I said, it took two or three times to really watch this and understand it. The first time I didn't watch it with captions, and I think that it is a benefit and it's a double-edged sword, to be honest. So if you watch it without captions, you're going to get the full visual flair, but there's so much dense like language and people's names and places and that type of thing that you're going to almost want the caption so you can see it repeated and so how it's said and what their names are. You're like, who is this guy? What's he doing? What's going on? It, all this very detailed uh, story that goes along with it and it's dense. This is the type of movie that you're going to want a cup of coffee before you watch it or you don't watch it, uh, you know, sleepy or anything like that. You got You got to watch this um, somewhat frame by frame, just because of the quick nature of the storytelling of how much they're trying to really get in this first part. Now, there is, I believe this book is divided into, uh, two, is going to be divided into two movies, maybe three. I don't know. I don't have a, a confirmation on that third movie, but at least they wanted to do two movies. From what I've heard, they were shooting uh, Dune and because of uh, the pandemic stuff it had to be shut down and i had listened to a podcast uh, with denny villeneuve i'll actually link it in the description uh some behind the scenes it, i would i would listen to the podcast after you watch the movie 
but it really gave some creative insight on how the movie was made and reasoning why it's probably a good thing why they didn't shoot the first and then the second one back to back. He said that he was exhausted after doing this first movie. And I could imagine it honestly, the way that it feels like it's is plays, it plays like a, a major scale uh, miniseries that uh, fortunately we get to watch on HBO Max, but it should be watched on the biggest screen possible. I know everybody's saying, go watch it on IMAX. I have not actually watched it on IMAX, but I will say um, I've got a projector up right now. I'm looking at it. It's it's one of those movies that you want to see the scale. The biggest biggest reason that you would want to go to a movie theater is so be, to see something of this magnitude that is you know looks like art in almost every frame of this Denis Villeneuve and his uh his team the cinematographer Greg Fraser he's the same cinematographer from Zero Dark Thirty Lion 2016 Rogue One Rogue One kind of has this same aesthetic to it um Vice 2018 okay so I wouldn't have guessed that but um, Zero Dark Thirty, Lion, and Rogue One, I, I've heard pretty good things about. Um, so I would like to check this out. Um, like the sound and the technical aesthetic of this movie are so grandeur. It feels almost worldly, otherworldly to a point of it feels like I'm almost walk, watching a documentary from the future. If, if there was such a thing, I feel like this would be very close to it. it, it a lot of people are talking about uh, the praising the visual flair of it. And uh, I think that that's the biggest thing you can say, the biggest positive you can say a thing about it. Uh, $165 million brought um, brought back the first box office weekend of $223 million, but that doesn't include the HBO Max release either. So, um, And I just heard today that they were greenlit for the second movie. So I've been playing this on repeat on HBO Max trying to get them to get that get that second movie uh, greenlit because this movie, for everything great about it, it does have a handful of flaws that I think are rightfully sown uh, that we can talk about in the spoiler section, which I, I'm going to just uh, release this entire thing for everybody, this podcast for everybody. Normally I'd leave a spoiler section or a chunk of it for the Patreons, but since everyone's been such a great supporter, I will um, drop it like it's hot and we will have the spoiler section for everybody. I'll just, you know, be a little generous today. So yes, all of the technicals of Dune, the the sound editing, the... Uh, so. Actually, I did. For me, I really liked the sound. I really liked the uh, the music. I know there was a little bit of bagpipes and a little bit of uh, mixing of the music and of voices that was not heard in theaters. I didn't actually have that problem um, with my sound system. I kind of feel like some movie theaters do not have... Um, I think it's like tweeters, and tweeters... I believe are meant for the audio coming from people's mouths. So what's happening is I think people are getting a bad audio experience because a lot of movie theaters don't have these specific tweeters for when you hear people talk. And, and I think that new movies are being mixed in a way that it's not just bass. And if the movie theater is just accustomed to having one sound coming out of the out of the speakers just bass coming out all you're going to hear is 
everyone's voice, all the music, all the bass coming from one speaker, and it's not divided equally. It I could be wrong, and of course I'm not a sound technical specialist, but I notice it the most when I'm in my car, when I'm listening to podcasts and stuff like that. So um, th- there's a difference in the the grumble of something from the bass versus the 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 high notes of voices. So I do think that this is one of those movies. It might be legendary movies all in general, because I heard Tenet had this problem as well. Um, So Hans Zimmer might just be mixing to a level where our speakers cannot uh, handle this, you know, this warm goodness. And so I got to say, you know, despite having, it's like this throat like you know like this sound coming from the music i i really liked it 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 didn't bother me and i thought it it led to the vibe of um of this other world the sand dune atticus world attic atreides world um and all that It, it it was crazy it was crazy so um let me talk a little bit about uh the technicals of this so Dune 2021, Dune 2021 Part 1, is an American epic science fiction film directed by Denis Villeneuve and is a screenplay by John uh, Spattis, um, and Villeneuve and Eric Roth. Um, same dude that is, Eric Roth is best known for Forrest, he was on, works on Forrest Gump, uh, The Good Shepherd, The Insider, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And uh, now Dune, yeah, um, pretty impressive. So it is the first of a two-part planned uh, adaptation of the 1965 novel of the same name by Frank Herbert. Primarily covering the first half of the book set in the far future, it follows Paul Atreides as he and his family, the noble house Atreides, are thrust into a war for the desert, uh, for the dangerous desert planet Arrakis. Arrakis. It's Arrakis. Sorry. I'm going to get some of these names wrong in the places, so don't just forgive me on the, the pronunciation. I always fuck that shit up anyway. That Throw anything I fuck up in the description, comment section. Be like, uh, sir, you fucked up here. And I'll be like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so the film stars in an ensemble cast. For better or for worse, there's a fuck ton of people in this. Um, We got Timothy Chalamet. Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac. Oh, I love some Oscar Isaac. Uh, Josh Brolin. We got fucking Thanos in this shit. Stellan Skarsgård. One of the Skarsgårds in almost every fucking thing I see. Uh, Dave Batista. Oh, dude. I love some Batiste. Um, uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson. Um, what do we see him on? Uh, we just saw him on something else. Uh, a show I really liked. Um... God dang, devs, yeah, devs, this kind of remind me a little bit of devs, especially the opening, this has uh, Zendaya, uh, David Deschamelin, it's the guy that played Polka Dot Man, um, uh, Ching Chin, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Charlotte Rampling, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem, the list goes on. They got pretty much everybody they could fucking find in this somehow. Um, so following a failed attempt by Paramount Pictures to produce a new adaptation of Herbert's novel, Legendary uh, Entertainment acquired 
the film rights to Dune in 2017. So this is pretty quick. Usually they they get the adaptate they uh, get the rights almost like 10 years. Sometimes even I feel like even earlier. Sometimes it can take longer than that. So um, 2017 is when they acquired the rights. Uh, for film and TV for it. Development uh, began shortly after Villeneuve um, expressed interest in the project and officially signing as director uh, January 2017. He worked with Roth and Spratz on the screenplay, breaking the 1965's adaptation into two parts and incorporating an, an updated 21st century sensibility atop Herbert's uh, original visions. Similar to the two-part It from 2017, production contracts were secured only for the first part of the script and anticipation for the second part would be greenlit with a successful box office performance for the first part. Filming took place from March from March uh, to July 2019 at various locations including Budapest, Jordan, Norway, and Abu Dhabi. Um, Dune premiered at the 78th Venice International Film Festival on uh, September 3rd, uh, 2023. Warner Brothers Pictures released it 2D, 3D, and IMAX Internet. 3D? I don't know if I'd want to watch this in 3D, but IMAX is something I definitely want to see. Um, all of those were released internationally on September 15th. Dune was internationally... Sorry, simul... Dune was simultaneously released theatrically in streaming HBO Max October 22nd, 2021. It was generally well received with visuals uh, for its visuals, scope, and ambition. And is grossed $223 million worldwide against a, a production budget of $165 million, um, which is which is pretty good. Um, it, we probably want a little bit more in the States, obviously. Um, but I'm I'm guarantee everybody watch this on uh, HBO Max. Unfortunately, they if you got the option, it's just way way easier. Um, a week after its release, uh, Dune Part Two was confirmed with theatrical release for October 2023, which I'm hyped for. I'm really hyped for. Um, so um, we are going to discuss the plot of uh old dune here we coming up here in a second um let me adjust everything to make sure everything's looking good and we will hop into the plot for anyone still watching before we hop into the spoiler section and has not seen the movie and is uh wondering should i watch it is it too dense is it uh, worth my time. I will say if you are interested in, you know, low concept, high scope, epic storytelling that I would easily say needs to be watched twice to fully enjoy it and understand it. Um, I would absolutely recommend it to anybody that's a science fiction um, nerd like myself. This movie from a film appreciation standpoint uh, is beautiful to look at in every single scene um my biggest problem would would probably i'd say all the technicals of this are extremely impressive i'm not saying that they're innovative in a way that pushes us forward but it's still a revitalization of saying we still want to go to the movies and see grand epic scope scoped things you know um 
Uh, so, you know, people were talking about how it's uh, like a Star Wars or it's uh, like uh, Knights of Arabia or something like that. Uh, is it Knights of Arabia or Sands of Arabia? Something of Arabia, you know, when they're when they're in the desert and they're shooting this grand epic scope. Uh, but anyways, I haven't seen that one either. So I need to get I need to get on that. But this did this movie did make me want to see uh, Villeneuve's previous work because I had seen Blade Runner 29 before, but I hadn't seen it since I've become a podcaster and really had like a critical eye for things. And that's a beautiful ass movie as well. And one thing I realized is that he likes to have a slow moving narrative, but he also likes to have, you know, small little trinkets and dreams and different types of emotional ties to the character that, um, I think sometimes are more visually shown, sometimes are are said, and then sometimes are more concepts. Sometimes I do feel that um, his characters can be occasionally cold in the same way that um, uh, Ryan Gosling was very much cold in Blade Runner 49 for the reasons he's told to be. I do feel that uh, Paul Atreides is, is kind of exhibiting very much of those same um, emotions as well. So, um, with saying that this is obviously an eight out of 10 for me on the scale, it's a super high eight. It's not a nine or 10. I've started to come to the decision that nine and tens are basically superior products, superior movies, nines or tens. I, you know, I had an emotional reaction. I had a, a moving reaction. It, it, you know, inspired me a certain way. I would say that this movie is inspirational, but I don't feel like I had an emotional reaction or an emotional tie to the characters, thus, which keeps me at an 8 out of 10. So let's hop into spoilers section for Dune 2021. All right, let's discuss Dune 2021. In spoiler section. So if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, we're going to go play by play, action by action, or whatever the Wikipedia plot says, whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so hold on to your hats, hold on to your butts, grab your sandworms, grab your uh, spice, and let, let go. In 10-191. I'm guessing that's year. It doesn't even say. Whatever. Let's just say that's year 10,191. Duke Leto of House Atreides, ruler of the ocean planet Caladian, is assigned by the Paradisha Emperor Shaddam Carino, the sixth, I think. I don't know. I'm not good with Roman numerals. So it looks like the sixth. To replace House uh, Harkonnen as fief rulers of Arrakis, Arrakis, or Dune, Arrakis. I told you I'm going to get all these fucking names wrong. Jesus. And uh, when he's when he's supposed to replace them, that is the the Baron. Arrakis. Sorry, it's Arrakis. Arrakis is a harsh desert planet. And the only source of spice. 
priceless substance that extends human vitality and is critical for interstellar travel. In reality, uh, the Shaddam intends to have House Harkonnen, Harkonnen stage a coup to retake the planet with aid of the Emperor's uh, Sadarkar troops. Sorry, I'm told you that these names are just going to rip me a new one. I've watched this three or four times. I still can't say the names right. Eradicating House uh, Atreides with influence threatens Shaddam's control. Sorry, whose influence uh, in, whose influence threatens Shaddam's control? Sorry, this is a mouthful to say. So basically, they're saying, House Atreides, we want you to go replace the Baron, the quote-unquote bad guy of the movie. We need you to replace him as the main person uh, bringing in the spice. But it's actually a coup. It's like there's something bad that's going to happen. And so Paul, the main character, Timothy Chalamet, is the son of the House Atreides. It's run by Oscar Isaac, who's like the king of the shit. And Oscar Isaac is a fucking G. And he's got a general who's basically Thanos. It's uh, And so um, we have all of these cool... And then we have Duncan, who is played by Jason Momoa, who is basically the Han Solo, charismatic... Uh, you know, fighter of the group. Um, you know, not really a hothead, but he's still like like the most agile, big ass dude. So, anyways, uh, Leto, Duke Leto, which is Oscar Isaac's character, is apprehensive, but sees a potential to ally with uh, Arrakis, Arrakis's uh, native population, the Fremen, as the first step forward. Sorry, the first step towards increasing the house atreides standing in the landish uh, landish rad which is the dune universe it will make the house look better i guess so you can kind of see how this is very much in the same way of the houses and the lords and the, the betrayals and all that stuff is um very much in the same way of game of thrones this movie feels like Game of Thrones season one and a little bit of two thrown into about two hours, which for better or for worse, we're not going to get the backstories with a lot of these characters. Thus, we have like a, a mass, massive character population in this, and we might only get five minutes with, with each of them. So that, again, might be the problem for some of these people that are watching this movie and saying, we only get five minutes with some of our favorite characters. Well, I mean, there's like a bajillion people in the fucking movie. I don't know what you want me to do. Um, <laughs> so uh, continuing on, um, Leto's uh, concubine, Lady Jessica, is an acolyte of the Bene Gesserit. An exclusive sisterhood wielding, advan wielding advanced uh, physical and mental abilities. She basically knows like the force. But the way they use the force in this is called the voice. And apparently the voice was created long before the force and the entire narrative of Star Wars was created. It, 
evidently Dune had created all of this stuff long before Star Wars had. Star Wars just gave a different name to it and kind of made it a little bit more quote-unquote sexier. So before the Force, there was the voice. And it sounds like this. I don't, I, I don't know. It, it sounds like just like they put a lot of reverb on it or something like that. That was a terrible... I'm sorry. I, I won't do that again. No promises I won't do that again. But <laughs> that, was a, that, was, that was a terrible voice. I need to work on my uh, inflection. Um, so anyways, she... Uh, Oscar Isaac's girl basically trained with like these magic nuns. And they did a lot of spice in college and stuff. And so they got really, really hair. So <laughs> you got to watch out for her and the Benny Gesserits. So although Jessica was instructed by the uh, Benny Gesserit, like the lead one, and, um, to bear a daughter whose son would become powerful, the Kwisak Haderach. <laughs> or something like that, out of love for Leto, she bore a son, Paul. Boring as Timothy Chalamet Paul. I don't think it's Timothy's fault that he has to play stoic in a movie that is trying to be both what feels like operatic and Shakespearean, but also futuristic but also, you want somebody to be kind of likable. It's hard to be charismatic when you're delivering that kind of dialogue. It's not quite stilted, but it, it feels otherworldly in a way that it's like, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to adapt this guy up. You know, because everyone keeps saying how Paul's the chosen one. Paul's this. Paul's the coolest guy. Invite Paul to all the parties. Paul's going to take us out of here. You know, um, uh, I, I, and, I like Timothy Chalamet as an actor. I think that he he can pull his weight. I haven't seen him in enough things to really kind of give a full uh, take on it. But there wasn't a second on here that I didn't think he was, you know, wasn't really good. It's charismatic. I I don't I don't feel it. I feel more coldness to him, and it's hard to not compare him to like uh, a Mark Hamill in the same way. Or I even think of it like a, a Marty McFly in the same way because they're about the same age, I believe. They're mid-20s. But Paul's not exactly meant to be any of those characters. I know people are going to be like, Marty McFly and Dune, that doesn't even make fucking sense. But it's not even that. It just feels like they the character requires to be kind of under duress the majority of the movie and it does not allow for us as viewers i'm not saying this is a, a good or bad thing i'm just saying because the the main character feels like he's under duress the majority of the time doesn't necessarily feel like he's having a great time thus it doesn't feel like he's having that much fun but it's not the movie's not always about like having fun because i don't want people to be like well it's you know it's a movie it's not about having fun it's about telling a story i understand that but with saying that, I felt like the five scenes that they gave Jason Momoa, I know the writing almost does feel different. You know, talking about how he built muscle, he's joking around. He's like, oh, boy, you know, he's, he's just like, seems like a real bro. And and Jason Momoa seems like someone you would want to go up and give him a big hug. But it's like Timothy Chalamet just kind of like standing in the corner with his, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I was like, what is, what is, 
what's with Paul? What's going on? You know, it's, it kind of, he's, he, we're told he's the chosen one. We're, we're kind of told a lot how he is all these things. They're like, oh shit, you put your boots on right? Jesus, man, this guy, this guy, this guy must be the one. It's like, oh fuck. <laughs> there are certain things that you're like, hmm, they could have done a little bit better on that. But I digress. So throughout his life, Paul is trained by Leto's aides, Duncan Idaho, which is Jason Momoa, Gurney Halleck, uh, which is, uh, uh, isn't that, uh, that's uh, Thanos, and uh, Minitat, which is uh, multiple organizations in the uh, Dune universe. Um, so yeah, we're told that Paul is being trained. We're kind of like thrown in this movie at the very last day of his training. What feels like while Jessica trains Paul in, uh, Bene Gesserit disciplines, Paul confines in, uh, Jessica and Duncan that he is troubled by visions of the future. Um, and I have heard these visions. We are talking about spoiler sections for what, uh, this movie is going to contain there are visions of the future that may or may not happen so there are kind of like multiverse kind of things going on in his head so it's not exactly what we're seeing is a hundred percent um just wanted to put that out there um because there are some really troubling things we see in the future because of the visions the reverend mother gaius helen mahim comes to uh caliban and uh I see Caladan. I think Calabash. <laughs> I don't know why. Caladan and um, subjects Paul to Gum Jabal. Frank Herbert must have been on some shit to be making up all these fucking names. I'm curious what this dude was smoking because <laughs> Gum Jabar. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> so, anyways, it's a terminology to basically test Paul. And this. Uh, Bene Gesserit basically tells Paul, put your hand in a box and there's going to be an immense amount of pain, but you don't know this until your hand's already in the box. And then she's like, <laughs> and she has like this point, pointy dart needle right in his, right in his neck. If he fucking moves and it's his fucking ass, she says there's uh, a poison that's going to go straight to your ass and is going to make you throw up and vomit and hurl all over the floor and do a bunch of terrible thing. Maybe post something terrible in Instagram. And, Paul's like, oh, fuck. So he has his hand in that box, and he's like, Tah! you know, he's just, like, losing his shit. So um, basically, he's tested, and he passes the test. You know, he takes the pain. He does not gnaw off his hand like she said most animals would do, I guess. And basically, I pass the test, whatever. Um, so uh, he passes the gum jabba. A deadly test to assess a subject's impulse control, which he passes. Later, Mahim instructs House Patriarch Baron Vladimir Hockenen to spare Paul and Jessica during his coup, which he duplicitously agrees. I like that word, duplicitously. So, uh, apparently Mahim is in on the, uh, the coup. I did not realize that when I watched that the fifth time or whatever the fuck. I, I, I did see her go to him, but I didn't really understand what was going on. Once again, dense book. Sorry, dense movie, even denser book. And I got to say, the makeup 
on the Baron. First of all, I think we do see there's like two and a half scenes of Dave Batista like, why? Like he's spazzing and shit like that. And we don't really understand why they're super white like that, but we do understand why the Freeman have blue eyes. Some of them have visual features about them that you're like, oh shit, that's kind of cool. They've been smoking on that spice too much. That's what we heard. Um, the Harkonnen, they, um, or the Harkonnen, I think is what I, I heard that they were called. Dave Bautista sees, uh, what's his face? Vladimir Baron, whatever his fuck name. Um, dude, this guy has some crazy ass makeup. They said it took eight hours to put this guy in a fat suit um every day and i think there's only like three or four scenes with him in it and i just wanted to see more of him he was fucking imposing he's like always floating around and uh denny villeneuve said that they came up with like a bajillion different types of uh looks for this guy they wanted him to look imposing but not like a big fucking baby and i was like i don't even think once did a big baby come over my uh like come to mind when I saw this guy, I was just like, it reminded me of like an actually scary job of the hut, glutinous ass looking monster. And everything he does in this is just like, like so much fat, just like pouring over himself. And he's just like, Oh my God, I don't know why I gave him a, a list, but <laughs> it just, he's just like so fat. And he's like, Bruh. I mean, it, it looks like he's in a floating wheelchair. It is crazy. Um, but extremely imposing with just the dark figures and everything. He's always like bathing and shit like that. It's like, um, they talk about it in the, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the podcast that I, I linked in the uh, description that, they wanted to really show his body and stuff like that. And I was just like, they, they really got in that shit. I thought that they they made Stellan Skarsgård go on a diet of like Krispy Kremes for about three months during COVID and just like shot, shot him. I was like, I don't know how they did this. Oh, pass the Krispy Kremes. <laughs> oh my goodness. So House Atreides arrives at... Arrakan to stronghold on Arrakis form. Sorry, I'm going to reset this. House Atreides arrives uh, at Arrakan, the stronghold on Arrakis, formerly held by House Harkonnen, where Idaho and an advanced party have, um, Duncan Idaho and, the, and an advanced party have been learning about the world and the freemen. Uh, Leto negotiates with the Freeman, Chief Tikan Stilgar, and meets plantologist and meets plantologist, um, and Imperial Judge Doctor Late Keens. Keens informs Leto, Paul, and Halak of the dangers of spice harvesting, including giant. Alaskan sandworms. Who remembers that from SpongeBob? <laughs> All I could think was, let's just move the shitty that way. 
Pushed. Who remembers that fucking episode? Did, did, did no one think of giant Alaskan sandworm when they saw this shit? I was fucking like, oh my God, it's real. Like, I was blown away. And so there are, including giant Alaskan sandworms who travel under the desert, um, straight tremor style. Um, during a flight, they spot a sandworm approaching an avist, uh, sorry, an active harvester. Leto recruits its crew before the sandworm swallows it. It is an intense scene. It's one of the first scenes we really get with some action. Um, of course, someone tries to kill Paul a little bit earlier, but it's like, eh, don't worry about that. Um, uh, or that that comes after this, but still, um, the the real first action scene comes with the sandworm like about to swallow up and gobble up this uh, like spiced harvester and. It was uh, fascinating to watch just how they they are trying to harvest uh, the spices, how dangerous it can be, how Paul is like high instantly as he's in the uh, midst of the spice and worm um, gal- very super close to him and whatnot, and the spice is making him high and shit, like have visions. He's like, oh, shit, you know, getting fucked up. And so... Um, Leto, Leto rescues its crew before the sandworm fa- swallows it. Awesome, uh, awesome set piece. Uh, Paul is exposed to the spice laden air and experiences intense visions. He's like, whoa, man, where the wolves? Pass the spice, man. Like, he, he's like, He's getting swallowed up. I'm like, oh, it's happening right now. Oh, he's gobbling up. There's like a bajillion teeth on that fucking earthworm. It's kind of interesting how they never show like the eyes or anything like that. Because I feel like sometimes not showing the eyes of a monster make it even more intense. You just like, because when you see the eyes, you're like, oh, you need to poke the eyes. It's like, this thing ain't got eyes. I don't know where the hell it's, (laughs) where, where the eyes are on this thing. So, um, yeah, it's pretty damn intense. Um, there's also, I have heard some people say that there's a lot of exposition in this movie. Just like, oh, this is, uh, this is how your water's recycled. This is how the spice works. This is what the people do. There is so much information in this movie. I don't know how there's not just a ton of, I don't know how the whole thing's not just exposition. So they had to walk the fine line of having, uh, dialogue that people understood on top of not just explaining everything through uh exposition and i think they walked that line pretty well um great job so we got the giant alaskan sandworms out there you gotta watch out for those so after a failed attack on paul's life by a harkin agent a harkonnen agent um there's this little like well, first of all, Paul is just chilling, watching movies. He's just doing his thing, maybe smoking a little spice on the side. Nobody, nobody was even fucking with him. And this little thing, this buzzer thing, goes bzzz, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, what is that?" And you find out very slowly that it's basically like a super slow bullet, which you do find out that people aren't blasting everything. This is kind of like a uh, behind-the-scenes thing kind of thing. But anyways, the only way to shoot people these days in the Dune world is to shoot bullets that go really slow into the penetration to penetrate their people's shields. Um, Because if you shoot fast bullets, apparently it'll kill that person and the person shooting. I know this because of geeking with 
James Hancock on YouTube said this or something like that. So if it's not true, blame that guy. <laughs> Anyways, so that's why people aren't using blasters on something like that because blasters will kill both people. The only way you can use blasters is if you use slow bullets. So thus we're using these like little bee tracking things that look like it's following Paul. And so one does like come to Paul and he does the Mr. Miyagi and he like grabs it and saves another lady's life at the same time and he beats the fuck out of this like little mosquito thing he's like yeah 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 and um then he has you know he's not dead from the Harkonnen agent so anyways he's okay so uh Duke Leto places his soldier on high alert um Sook the doctor Wellington Yi disables Arakan's protective shields and allows the Harkonnen army and disguised Sadarkar troops to overwhelm the uh, Atreides forces. This is straight up season two, if you know what I mean. It's straight up. And I will say the fighting scenes... I could have gone for more blood. I honestly think I wanted just a little. I don't know if I'm just you know used to having a lot more blood in my action scenes, but I I felt like this could have been PG at the way that it was shot. I mean, there's hardly when people get shot and killed and stabbed in this. It's 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 a cool battle scene. Not gonna lie, with all these people, you know the Atreides on the stairs. They're like House of Trees. But then they just got like overwhelmed because there's like Sarkin and people coming from behind him and they're like and they're getting stabbed because they got the the red versus the blue um shields and the stabby stabbies and all that stuff but i really could have gone for just like a couple times they were they easily could have shown somebody's like head getting or somebody uh somebody got stabbed a few times i mean there's a couple times people get stabbed but i i feel like there's they cut away a lot of times. I was like, man, we would have could have had like a, oh my God, I don't have to do it to that guy. But I mean, most people would like, oh, and they just kind of go down. <laughs> but that that's just, you know, um, me with my bloodlust on <laughs> for uh, uh, in, in action and sci-fi, I guess. Um, yeah, and in comparing it to Game of Thrones, uh, it, it's like, you're so used to just like the, the most amount of blood. I don't need in, any of that again. I don't need torture again. I I just would have liked to maybe seen uh, a couple action scenes. You don't have to cut away every time someone gets, you know. So um, what else do we have? So the the Starker troops overwhelm the Atreides forces. Uh, UA uh, incapacitates uh, Duke Leto. Um, and Duke Leto, I, I kind of, uh, hate how he goes out. He's like looking down at this one lady. He's like, lady, what's going on? You know, it's like one of the uh, spice ladies and she's like, uh, something terrible happened. Watch out. And then he's like, Zzz! and it, it's like instantly Duke, uh, Duke Leto, Oscar Isaac. It's just like, Zzz! and basically goes down and he's just like, Zzz! Why you gotta do it to me like that to Doctor Ye? And Doctor Ye's like, all right, I, I they got my wife, they had me early. You don't know what it's like, but I'm gonna replace your teeth. So he incapacitates Duke Leto and tells him he made a deal to deliver him to the Baron in exchange for his captured wife. Yue replaces one of Leto's teeth with a poison capsule, poison gas capsule, and is killed 
after delivering the duke. And this baron's like, I did say I was going to do this, so I'll deliver you straight to your wife. And like directly rips this guy new. I, I knew Ye didn't have a, a chance. I was like, if Oscar Isaac's down, we have Thanos who just disappeared into the ether of this. And <laughs> it's like, Duncan is like basically the coolest one, basically doing all these tasks. Right. And I was Duncan for Halloween. So I just want to say that is a costume, basically just dressed like a pirate. Um, yeah. And have long hair. Just that easy as that. So he is killed after delivering the Duke. It's pretty quick, but uh, the Duke's like, yeah, ah, and get rid of this guy out of here. So Leto releases the poison gas during this. And he's like, he, he's like talking to the bear. He's like, look closer. And the bear's like, what? And he, Leto's like, look closer. The bear's like, what? He's like, got him. And the bear's like, and he like flies off like like Ghostbuster style goes fucking and then everybody the camera pulls out I love this pull out everybody everyone's like and they're like all choking and whatnot and that's when we see uh what is his name David uh Daspedition or whatever polka dot man he's like and he, it, it, it's a it's a classic classic one so basically he Isaac kills everybody it's essentially the same thing as having like a a grenade in the room um Kills basically everybody except. Okay, so Leto releases the uh, poison gas, killing the members of the Baron Court and himself. But the Baron survives. When they go into cap, the when the henchmen go in the room once it's all cleared, probably a few hours later, to pick up all the bodies that had happened from the poison gas. They're like they're like poking, picking them up and whatnot, picking all these bodies up, and they look on the ceiling, and they see the fucking Baron, and he's like sitting on the ceiling. <laughs> and it is like the most terrifying thing. Imagine the exorcist, but a 400, six foot three man on your ceiling. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, <laughs> that's a 400, 400 pound, 400 pound, six foot three man on your ceiling. White man on your ceiling. <laughs> that's a uh, uh, naked. <laughs> now that's a sight oh my god <laughs> so um idaho escapes and steals an orthopter orthopter which basically an orthopter i believe is a helicopter that looks like a dragonfly and this was something that i'd like to say that improves upon the matrix i had a massive problem in the matrix with how ugly the ships were in that that movie the ships in that are so goddamn ugly and i couldn't draw one to save my life but this oh, orthopter i guess was created before the x-wing of the the uh star wars but it does make me appreciate um you know very visual very memorable looking vehicles and what look usable they they look like they would actually be used and this is such a cool concept and look and so i love seeing these in, in action and there wasn't really a time maybe one or two scenes um 
maybe like half a scene that I didn't think it didn't look a hundred percent, but I thought like for the most part, I was like, this looks plausible. This looks real. This looks dope. I love this. So anytime they were flying, I had a great time. Um, Paul and Jessica are captured. I got to say the way that they're captured is kind of anticlimactic with all these random things going on. We have, uh, you know, Duke Leto taken out pretty, uh, pretty un, I don't know, uninterestingly, in my opinion, I feel like the majority, they get taken over so quickly and they have such terrible security that it feels almost too easy of this coup, but that's just that's just me a little bit i'm like can y'all not have like 20 jason momoa's like kicking ass because it feels like y'all need to have that um the the scale of the the armies for um oscar isaac's atreides house is just like what the fuck is going on so yeah y'all need to really work on security on that security breach like major so um what do we have um Idaho escapes and steals an orthropter, but, uh, orthropter sounds like something you shove in your, <laughs> but Paul and Jessica are captured. And these guys, these little henchmen are like, let's do thanks to the lady. And this, uh, the, the henchman in this actually does fucking crack me up. He, he gets his and, uh, they end up, uh, whooping their ass. So the Harkonnens, uh, take them into the desert to die of exposure, but, they overpower them using the voice. Um, you know, the force. These are not the droids. These are not the force. This is not the boy. This is not the Timothee Malay. Um, finding a survival kit for them by Yue. Um, they spend the night in a tent. So Dr. Yue is terrible and good at the same time. Like he, he doesn't want to be a bad guy, but he definitely delivers the Duke and is kind of the reason the whole thing went over. It's like, mm, this guy's kind of got to go. So, um, it's kind of a good thing that he went. The Baron hands over command of, uh, Arrakis to the brutish nephew, Rabin and orders a Rabian. I believe that's Dave Batista, and orders him to sell spice reserves and uh, reserves and restart spice production to remunerate the cost of the coup. Paul and Jessica are found by uh, Idaho, and uh, oh, and that's when the Baron is taking a bath, and it's one of the most beautiful, disgusting scenes I've ever seen in my life. And it's like this is what Denis Villeneuve is all about. I've said it before. It feels like Denny Villeneuve is an indie director with a block budget, block budget, block budget action uh, budget, and uh, or just block budget, blockbuster action, just blockbuster budget at all, not even just action. So, um, if you give him the money, he's going to make it look good. Paul and Jessica are found by Idaho, Duncan Idaho, and Keynes and head to an old research station but are quickly tracked down by uh, Sudakal and Dar uh, Duncan and various freemen sacrifice themselves to allow Jessica, Paul, and Keynes to escape the facility. And I gotta say, I was like, no, not Duncan! Because he's the most interesting guy in the fucking movie, so... I was like, I think any other movie probably would have taken Duncan's perspective in this movie, in this story. But 
still he went out like mostly like a boss he's like psh, 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 and he's like fighting everybody in the fucking like hallway basically have a marvel fight psh, psh. and i thought the majority of the action was done pretty good i will say uh it took me like three times to watch this to understand where what these visions were going on that paul's having the entire time um basically feels like the the next part of the story it's just you don't understand it till you over you're done with this and he does see duncan's death at one point and the little bug duncan's playing with i'm like can you quit playing with bugs duncan and start fighting somebody <laughs> so anyways uh yeah it's a crazy fight he, he fights like 20 different dudes he fucking psh, 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 and he gets stabbed at one point and he comes up <laughs> and it just goes crazy so yeah it was uh that was that was a pretty cool scene um keen's cornered uh by sudakar troops lures a sandworm that devours them along with her and there's this thing it's like a thumper thing it's like a thump a thump a thump it's like and it's like it's to attract the worms and she's like I'm going to go out on my own times in the sandworm. Just, you know, just like eating everybody. Um, And I I was sad that we didn't get to see her ride a sandworm, but apparently we might get that later. We sort of get that later in the, uh, the movie, but it's not exactly that. So Paul and Jessica reach the deep desert and meet the Freeman along with Stilgar and Shani. The girl... Um, the girl in Paul's vision, it's uh, Zendaya. Um, and Zendaya does not trust this guy at all. I love I love her uh, look and the way she's always like kind of giving him the beady eyes, like I don't trust you eyes, and talking, you know, looking at him like a colonizer. And I've heard that some people are criticizing this for the white savior narrative. I see that, but I also have heard that the book is very much in the realm of saying how this is anti-colonial colonism colonism as well. So I'd have to really look at the two different perspectives of it. I gotta say I do understand how people are like hey we don't want to have a, a quote-unquote uh, white savior narrative come in and lead the quote-unquote people of color i can definitely see how that's always a problem and it's a big fallacy in storytelling and it does need to stop but i don't know if that's what we're going to take because i have heard that it shifts perspectives in ways that uh the second movie might not be as quote-unquote white savior narrative as this one is so we have to acknowledge it, but I also got to say, you know, continue with the story to see if that's exactly what's going to happen. Because there are visions of this uh, that Paul is having that make it look like there are negative things that are going to happen in the future. There's a big, almost empire strike back levels of visions that he's having, uh, you know, ruling with Zendaya's uh, Shani, ruling over a billion bodies that are burning and stuff like that. It's like... But are these visions going to happen or not? We don't exactly know. I've heard that, you know, sometimes this is some multi multiverse type shit going on. So Freeman member Jamis protests their ad, uh, admission and he is just freaking the fuck out. He's like, this guy ain't going to come in our fucking camp and tell us exactly what to do. It's like, bah! like every time they're like, <laughs> every time they look over at this guy, he's like spazzing so bad. And I was like, I'd be scared to fucking death to fight this guy. The guy that plays fucking Jamas is literally, literally scares the bejesus out of me. Um, 
but he <laughs> every time they look at him he looks so pissed and we're having visions of him at the beginning of the movie and stuff like that uh with him fighting the Sudakar or the Harkonnen or sorry the, the Harkonnen or fighting him and stuff like that uh and i was just like this guy i thought he was going to be a good guy his name's uh Babis Olsamankan um and <laughs> He fucking scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, and Paul is just like, yeah, I can take him, I guess. I mean, uh, I guess I'm going to die, but, um, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like, it's like all right, but this guy's like, like, look like this dude did like about 20 different lines, took like four different locos, did like 20 lines of meth or whatever the hell you do in meth. And did he did all the drugs. He did all the spice before going up against Chalamet. And... <laughs> He's like, he's like looking at his blade. He's like, yep, this will be a quick one. And then he's like, and the Paul's like, yep, got him. And just like did a little scootadoose and done. And basically did the same move he was going to, he did on Thanos, I guess, uh, Josh Brolin's character in the beginning. And he, he, he gave him the option several times that he was, he did not have to kill him, but they were like, it's the ritual. You gotta do it to the death. And so. Um. Yeah, they uh, they didn't get very warm welcomes from the Freeman, uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Paul. Um. So uh, you know, with saying that, uh, they had to go through this ritual, and you know, Jamis was just not having it. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, against uh, Jessica's wishes, Paul joins the Freeman with the intention to bring peace to Arrakis, and she looks at. Paul is saying, you know, should we go back or should we, you know, get the hell out of here and do that? He's like, Paul just kind of goes like this. He turns a little bit to the camera and says, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to bring peace and we're going to ride the Alaskan bullworms and we are going to have a part two. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, all right, I'm down, I guess. So, um. I'd say this is uh, the end of the first part of Dune 2021. Let me know what you thought about the podcast. Let me know what you thought about Dune 2021. If you've seen the old one, if this compares anyway, I know that they're almost completely different from visual standpoint um, in the way that they're told. But um, I do kind of want to check out the other one. I'm probably going to do a Blade Runner 2049 review after this. Um, because, uh, Denis Villeneuve is just blowing me away with his vi visual spectacle. I'm just, uh, uh, blown, blown away. So, um, yeah, thank you for watching, listening, like it all podcast, subscribe, thumbs up, check out the you review, check out all the other social medias we have, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitch, uh, uh, we're on all the, uh, look it up podcast.com. Um, we cannot do this podcast without your support. Thank you, and take it easy. Alaskan bull worm. Desert power. You see, you got the air power. You got the earth power. You got the wind power. But then you got the desert power. My son. If anything happens. Together, we stand a chance.